that you're born an Italian If you want your life to be great See that you're born an Italiano And your life will be great Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Italian-American Podcast. I'm your host, John Viola, here with my friend, the notorious P.O.B., Pat O'Boyle, the Italian-American Wikipedia, a continued happy Italian-American Heritage Month to everybody. I appreciate a little break from the broadcasting. We got a time off last week for Columbus Day weekend, and uh, it was a busy weekend all around for all of us. Pat, you really carried the weight for our little partnership, because you went to about nine events around... Big mistake. <laughs> you did everything. I want to stay home. <laughs> you were in the parade. You were There were the... so many benefits to a national lockdown. <laughs> Especially when you're a professional Italian. No, I don't want to be professional. I want to be left alone. <laughs> well, I'm exhausted. It's exhausting. Well, I got to be left alone and exhausted because we welcomed our brand new baby girl into the yes, world Yes, I did week. not yeah. want to be the person to break the news. Yeah. But you became a dad. Became a dad. Baba. Yeah, yeah Baba. As my father-in-law says, as long as you don't call me Babo, because that's Tuscan. So we're avoiding Babo. But yeah, like a little baby girl, Giovanna. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Well, you tell everyone, because they have no idea that you Yeah, I don't think we've even child. told people that we were pregnant. No. No, yeah, we've got a little beautiful little baby girl born the beginning of October, and she's been an absolute joy. My wife and I are over the moon excited about Giovanna's arrival, and I have to say she timed it so well because she was due at the end of the month, so I would have had to have gone to all of these events, and she came three did weeks you do early. That on purpose? She did. She did me a favor. This kid loves me. Already. She knows I'm going to spoil her, and she's like, look, Pop, I'm, let me get you out of Italian-American Heritage Month work. So Why I'm would com- anybody listen? I'm what coming this through. Is that, what a negative spin. <laughs> I know, but it's, right? it's exhausting. What a harp. What, it is exhausting. That's why you need happy people. <laughs> yeah. No, the events are fun. It's just they're all hitting at once. Yeah, you go nonstop. No, for people who invited me to things, please don't yeah, think yeah. there's a we negative. We love them. That's why we go. It's just that they're all within hours of each other yeah. across state lines. Yeah. You drive like traffic. a maniac. Yeah. And last weekend, I could have driven to Guam. <laughs> the time that I clocked in. Yeah. Yeah, you put in a lot of hours. I love going, but it is exhausting. It's exhausting to do multiple events in a two- or three-day period, and Italian American Heritage Month means there's something for everybody every day, let alone every weekend. And it's a great excuse for why we're here. First of all, recording together in person, which is an amazing joy, and recording together in person with a really good friend of ours who is in town for Italian American Heritage Month and for all of the wonderful events going on in the New York, New Jersey area. So we've met her. Well, actually, our audience hasn't met her yet because we've recorded together out in Los Angeles for our YouTube series, Greetings from Italian America, but that actually won't come out for a couple months, so you'll be getting a preview of our friend Mariana Gatto, the foundress and director of the Italian American Museum of Los Angeles. I don't know if that's your actual title. That works. The Cavalieri, (laughs) as Pat likes to point out, uh, knighted by the Italian Republic. Really, our favorite Italian out in L.A., or one of our favorite Italians out in L.A., and Spending time out here, thanks for coming on, and I've been waiting for you to come on the show, so this is a great excuse for us to do it in person. It is my pleasure. What is your real title at the museum, by the way? Oh, geez. Um, well, officially, it's executive director and co-founder, but... Um, Shouldn't we co-foundress? <laughs> oh, that's not good. Oh. Uh, yeah, we're getting PC. <laughs> no, but no, that no, that's that's always. You founder and a foundress. Actor. When did actress become actor? You can't say act. And then every well, five are or act. six years ago, I think. Well, actress who did, who is there? A, it's like an academy in France. Who? Makes <laughs> <it>? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Do they have co-founders on the paperwork? No. I mean, I, I'm the one who writes it. So. Can we start a petition? <laughs> <laughs> so you pick. I'm gonna make. A, I'm gonna start a petition. What's that called? Right? What's that petition? There's a website. Change.org. Change.org. <laughs> It, it, it rhymes with laundress. And that's <laughs> quite it appropriate. sounds laundress. <laughs> How did you found the museum? How did it come about? Oh, goodness. Um, well, let's see. So uh, it goes back to the 90s when the community, the Italian American community of Los Angeles, rediscovered what had been a historic gathering place, uh, the Italian Hall, which uh, a building that was constructed in 1908. And it has served as kind of like the headquarters for many Italian organizations. It was where you got married. It was where um, a lot of events took place. And the community had stopped using the building in the 1950s. And the state of California purchased it. 
at that time, a lot of uh, historic buildings in the city were being demolished. And uh, so while the state had the foresight to preserve the building, they never really had the money to maintain it. So in the uh, early 90s, it was slated to be redeveloped in a way that would kind of forever erase its Italian heritage, its Italian history. And the community kind of reinserted itself and started kind of advocating to develop uh, the building, restore it, and create a uh, community center. There were a lot of roadblocks uh, along the way. And I first walked into the building when I was an undergraduate in like the early 90s. And I said, uh, I want to be the director of this place, and <laughs> I want it to be a museum. Wow. <laughs> Careful what you wish for, Wasn't right? That, what was that? <laughs> it was, like it was the Italian-American field of dreams? <laughs> it was kind of like a, I'm going to build know, it, and they're going to come. I, I describe it as kind of like a my lips to God's ears moment. Yeah. You know, so like, you know, a couple careers later, I was working for, uh, for the city of Los Angeles at the time. I started working with the foundation that was still trying to raise the money needed to uh, do some of the tenant improvements. The building needed a lot of work. And uh, in 2010, I left the city to head the museum full-time. And uh, we opened our doors in 2016. So you spent six years yeah. building out and re- retrofitting and renovating yeah. this amazing building out there. It's on the National Register of Historic Places. So there's you know a lot of, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Help me, guys. Bureaucratic red yeah, tape and all that. restrictions. You know, exactly. And, yeah. Working with the city, all the work we did had to comply with the Secretary of the Interior Standards. That's probably too much information. But um, anyway, so we, um, we also really felt that the medium was as important as the message, and we wanted to develop it into something that we would all be proud of. Well, you've certainly done that. For the audience out there that's either not been out west or – maybe has gone to L.A. or is in, in and around L.A., but doesn't particularly think of it as an Italian-American epicenter. One of the things that we enjoyed so much about going out there in the summer when we were filming for Greetings was, first of all, visiting you at the museum and you taking us around to some other sites, but really seeing how deep the Italian history is in Los Angeles between downtown where the museum is and San Pedro at the port. and There's all these layers that you kind of, have to really dig to find, but it's like an Italian hotspot, really. Absolutely. So many people don't think of Los Angeles as a particularly Italian city. Um, we are home to the nation's fifth largest Italian population. Uh, historically, there were five little Italys in the city. Uh, Italians began settling in Los Angeles in the 1820s. Wow. And um, not quite what you think of, uh, you know, uh, when you think of New York, but there were these amazing little neighborhoods you know, with all the same kind of characteristics, the corner market, the bakery, you know, the midwife. And uh, so a lot of this history was uh, in danger of being lost. And that's really my passion is documenting it, preserving it, showcasing it, and hopefully generating more awareness of the the diversity of the Italian diaspora. Your museum, the Italian American Museum of L.A., has sort of become a touch point for a lot of the community around the country because, you know, we're all involved in these Italian-American community summits now. Hundreds of Italian-American groups are getting together on Zoom for the first time ever and, you know, exchanging ideas, creating subcommittees. And one of the committees that's out there, which you're a co-chair of, is the museums and cultural mm-hmm. institutions and things. There's really only a few in the country that are sort of, let's say, up to snuff, right? But there's a lot of interest in different localities to create an Italian-American museum. Tell me a little bit about what direction you guys felt you were going in terms of the narrative that the museum had to tell, because you've taken on a national reputation. Now, you're telling as much a local story as you are a national one. So what drove how you decided to curate this thing? Precisely. So, um, you know, I found that there is a, a story in Southern California that was, you know, largely untold. Uh, but in order to really narrate that story, um, there were some Italians who came to Los Angeles directly, but usually there's ties to other places, whether it's Louisiana, New Orleans. Uh, we have a large Sicilian community um, that you know stopped first in, in New Orleans and then continued west uh, through Texas, Colorado, then Los Angeles. Um, but we also had a lot of folks who came to Southern California after first being in New York or New Jersey or Chicago or Kansas City. And so in order to tell our story, we realized that we really have to tell the larger story of Italian immigration to the United States and the ways in which there's you know parallels but also differences. 
So one of the reasons why Italians dispersed from these enclaves earlier um, compared to, say, like Boston, um, was that there was you know, more land in Southern California and there were fewer barriers. Yeah. Um, it's not to say that it was an entirely like, rosy or positive story. I mean, there's you know, lots of places, no matter how much money you had uh, as an Italian-American, that you couldn't purchase a home yeah. in Southern California. That's, that's People don't realize no. that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it was actually uh, we're now Pat and I are going to nerd out a little bit. Um, it was an <laughs> Italian. Oh, I should have an alert. <laughs> <laughs> nerd alert. <laughs> <laughs> well, then I like, don't think. Listen, this is a nerd out podcast. That's true. It is a nerd out podcast. Please, let's remember <laughs> this is the all things considered <laughs> of the Italian <laughs> people. Fresh air. It was nerd a, away. <laughs> it nerd away. <laughs> it was actually an Italian American judge in Southern California who heard one of the first cases that challenged the racial covenants. Wow. Why didn't they want us in a neighborhood? I think we're a great addition anywhere you I go. I would love to find someone who was po- who said, like, yeah, I put a, there must be a hundred <laughs> now. <laughs> I had this in law school. I forget what you even call it. It's, it's, it's like a remainder. Co- I don't know. This is terrible. I'm embarrassing myself. When Basically, when you put a barrier to a deed, like you can't sell the blank. A restrictive covenant? Yes, very good. <laughs> you were paying attention when I was. A restrictive covenant. Who, I want to meet the waspy person who said, I don't want those Italians in my neighborhood. Well, we were... We were definitely an overwhelming. Yeah, I mean, that might have been. I'd like to ask, like, Wilbur <laughs> Johnson Smith, <laughs> why didn't you want an Italian? He might not have been a nasty guy. He might have just said, I, they're loud. <laughs> oh, yeah, loud. They're loud. They go over the top at Christmas. We do a lot outside, too. We're very outdoorsy. We <laughs> put people. these big Vatican sized statues. Yeah, exactly. Shrines. In front of yeah. the house. I'm a I, I Unitarian. Built one, we don't. You did? Yeah, see? That's oh, yeah, why they didn't want you in the neighborhood. You just built your own shrine, right? Can you imagine Unitarians? St. Joseph. Unitarian? Joseph. The Unitarian moves in when Guido moves next door. I don't know the Lorac. There were seven swords coming out of her heart. Yeah. A few afflictions. Hey, the God, I'll start I get to meet the Lee and nice. Yeah, you like it. And then they have lights on it, floodlights. That night. Yeah, I'm true. sorry. Do you know any of these people? <laughs> what, who are we referring to? Wilbur, the guy, Wilbur. The guy in in Oof. in Southern California, 1950, what, like the 40s. That kind of died out. Yeah. When did they allow us in? You know, it depends on where we're talking about. But uh, you know, there's this one uh, Italian family in Southern California that comes. To I mind. gotta jump in. <laughs> <laughs> then, like the Sicilians went, and we don't want bodies of people here. <laughs> I don't want a bodies of people in this town. I forgot they probably not be on people. They didn't want people in unless you slipped them something. Then they like, I mean, we were probably discriminatory against our own. We have Italian regional restrictive covenants. Yeah, we might see if Roe had showed up today <laughs> instead of flaking out and, and not coming in. I could have asked that. How do you say restrictive covenant? In my life? <laughs> I'm sorry. Go back to this poor family. <laughs> no, so there's, there is this family in Southern California that built an empire in citrus. And this guy w- had already been, you know, become a, a millionaire in the probably the 40s. And when it came time to go uh, to purchase a home in one of the desirable areas, San Marino, uh, they said, no, we don't want your kind here. Wow. And they ended up buying in Monterey Park. Uh, you know, even places, there's a little city uh, just northeast of Los Angeles, maybe seven miles from downtown, uh, Glendale. Yeah. And when um, when my dad's family settled in Southern California right after the war, my dad was pulled over in Glendale and said, you know, we should never see you here again. Holy cow. So there was a lot more of it than... Um, do you don't think that's why Julia Child didn't like Italians? Why? I'm doing a whole series. My day, I'll have justice. <laughs> why? She <laughs> never had a nice she word to say about Julia Italian. Child. <laughs> she always went against Italian. My grandma's going to see you on TV. My grandma's like, she had a glass of wine in her hand. My grandma says, she's not putting the wine in the chicken. I swear to God. It's not. <laughs> one, time, one time, Julia Child was tying up a chicken on TV with like brajol string <laughs> and my grandma says why she gotta tie that chicken like it's gonna run away it's dead that's why she's a drunk <laughs> but Julia Child was from Southern California and always had a nasty she's like they think I don't like Italians but she really didn't <laughs> and she came out and do you think that Southern, Acal- Southern California festered her anti-Italian uh, I don't said, think so I, don't I think it probably pre- what the big deal is about their food just vegetables <laughs> I think it probably predates Southern California. But, you know. <laughs> Can we investigate that in the museum? <laughs> you do, no, I'm going to ask you now. I'll fly out for it. Okay. I want an exhibit on... Um, Popular representations. No, of Julia <laughs> Child. Why did this woman hate Italian people? She never had a nice word. Well, they say... And that's how many gone people say, if you don't have a nice word, don't say don't anything. Say that's what. The, now, that's not our, our model. That's theirs. But does she Can refer to them as Italians? Or? Well, she would just say, <laughs> I don't see the big... 
Why people would eat their flicks? She always had a nasty, an Italian <laughs> chef said this lady didn't like us. Mm. And we should have had a protest against her back when she was alive. But when I, was, <laughs> no, I don't want to, she's dead now. I'm not wishing harm on the dead. But could we do that? Could you do that? I, I think we could. So we have a commitment here on, on the podcast. The caviar is going to go back and have we're gonna have a, a big, program. Can we have a big picture with like a, 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 like a like a slash mark through it? Italian cancel culture. But now I'm thinking to myself, there's a correlation. You can't move into my neighborhood and your food stinks. Yeah. And Julia Child's on both radar screens. That's it. I'm done. But they had those in New Jersey mm. because I knew the developer, Larry Paragano told me a great story about restrictive covenants. Great, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. One of the greatest people I've ever met. And um, a man I truly loved. Before Larry passed, he told me a story. He was a developer in the Short Hills, Milburn area of New Jersey. I guess it'd be in the 50s, late 50s, let's say late 50s, early 60s. And he built a beautiful house and an Italian-American couple was looking at it. So when he was there as a builder looking at um, the realtor giving a tour. This young Italian-American couple was totally into buying this house. And he speaks to the realtor afterwards. He's like, well, did they buy it? Did they buy it? He goes, no, no, they didn't. They didn't want it. And he couldn't understand why. So he, coincidentally, because there are no coincidences with God, was out to dinner shortly after that, and he saw this young couple, which was uh, basically the uh, same age as he was. And he went up and he said, I, I, you know, not that I'm want to put any pressure or, you know, I'm trying to be intrusive, but I have to ask you, I can't understand. You seem so happy with that house. Why didn't you buy it? And they said, well, they told us it was no longer for sale. And he found out that the realtor was in cahoots with the locals Wow. to keep the Italians, because it, it was the Newark Italians right. from moving yeah. in. So sometimes these existed on it, paper, in paper, right. and sometimes they existed in practice. Yeah, just like more de facto. Yeah, there was a lot of that. It was like, you know, if, if you were a realtor who dared sell a home to one of these undesirable groups, uh, you were kind of... Um, we didn't need yeah. them anyway. We're <laughs> yeah. better. We're better because we don't need... We need yards to grow things, but we, we're best when we're on top of each other in tenement buildings. <laughs> it is. It's true. Right? We talk about that a lot. Finding a place where everybody can go and live on top of each other. Because like, you know, we were saying before we got on mic, right? Mariana's out here from L.A. and getting to see the East Coast version of all of this insanity of Italian American <laughs> Heritage Month, and you've been to events and meetings. I mean, you're working pretty nonstop here, right? And then when you do have downtime, Pat's been taking you <laughs> everywhere on the pat. Go ahead, fun. All we do is it's eat. Like, it's this like how, much, how many pastries can you pack into a day? <laughs> I, I don't eat them. I only watch. That's true. true. You don't. I can't because of the pinoles. It's like a torture. I love cake, and i got to watch other people eat cake. But we talk about that a lot, like the idea that we travel around. You are clearly in the ranks of professional Italian-American, and, you know, we saw you Can in Can you put LA. a round of applause yeah. in there? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Sound, <laughs> round of applause. Yeah, <laughs> whatever is wrong in your childhood that made you do this like <laughs> us. But, you know, we, we saw you in L.A. this summer, then we saw you in Cleveland for the ISDA convention, and, you know, you do meet the same circle of people, and sometimes you say, gosh, it'd be nice if there was just like a little town somewhere in the middle of America that was just Absolutely. an Italian... Um, game reserve for us to go to because you do feel better living on top of each other. Absolutely. I think we're, you know, many of us are, are looking for our tribe and we feel best when we're amongst. Yeah. Amongst, yeah. Feels, and like, you know, that, that was one of the things I found so interesting about LA because, you know, you said fifth largest population was five little Italy's in the area. The one that is officially titled the little Italy of Los Angeles, we got to spend some time in was San Pedro mm -hmm. down by the port. That's a unique place because it is heavily, heavily Italian. Absolutely. And it's also America's newest Little Italy in that it now finally has its designation. Can you tell the uninitiated about San Pedro, the sort of um, undiscovered Little Italy that's sitting there? Yeah, so Italians began settling in San Pedro in the early 1900s, and many of them were from Sicily and Ischia. And they came there um, because of the fishing industry and really helped uh, develop it. The tuna industry, the West Coast tuna industry, was really born in San Pedro. We think of like Monterey, right, John Steinbeck. But San Pedro was home to, like, uh, over a dozen canneries at one time. And um, most of the Italians were somehow employed. You know, they were either commercial fishermen. Um, many of the women worked in the canneries. And there was this tremendous sense of pride. Though a lot of them, you know, once they became successful, they would move into some of the um, the more bedroom communities, like uh, Rancho Palos Verdes, which, which borders San Pedro. Um, a lot of them stayed. 
and there's this you know great sense of community there a church where you can still you know there's still mass in italian a lot of the uh, Italian uh, religious festivals, uh, the feste, and um, just you know, uh, you you also when you, you when you get to know the community, intermarriage that goes back you know three generations. So it's kind of that that typical like uh, little piece of Italian America. Yeah. And um, you know, whenever I'm there, it's like it's a place that that truly warms your heart. It's still like forty something percent Italian. The population. Yeah, I think it, right? so. I think so. And it's interesting yeah. because we. We'd never been and never heard of it, so we dropped off there to meet with our friend Councilman Joe Buscaino, who's running for mayor. I guess uh, he'll be running for mayor from now till next November uh, in L.A. Great guy, really active in the community, and he kind of took us around. And we met some of the business owners, and they've created this little Italy district. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the older established businesses are actually moving from their original yeah. locations into this central business district, which yeah. I find so fascinating, Absolutely. so forward thinking. You know, yes. it's taking off. Yes, I think among the Italians of Los Angeles, we recognize that like there's really few institutions that remain. Uh, St. Peter's Italian Church, um, of course, now the Italian American Museum of Los Angeles, and San Pedro. And so uh, there is, I think, this consciousness that we need to preserve this because we want this to be around for our children's children. And before COVID, when things were normal, when scheduling was normal and stuff like that, you, you guys have been open now going on five years. Mm-hmm. And you've got the permanent exhibits that tell the story of the Italian-American community in L.A., but you've got a great section on anti-Italian discrimination in the area. You've got Italians in Hollywood. But you've also been hosting other events and having, you know, rotating exhibitions or, or symposiums and things like that. Has the museum become, as you envisioned, a central place for the community to gather? I think so. Um, it's become kind of a, a bridge uh, between... Italian-Americans and Italians. Interestingly enough, only about 15% of our visitors are of Italian extraction. Wow. Uh, so, you know, our, it's, a, no, it's free admission. We're located at a very popular tourist destination. So we find that you know, many people wander into the museum, not necessarily looking for an Italian-American museum, but since our doors are open and, and they, they just kind of say, well, hey, let's, let's see what they have, um, what's going on inside. And uh, we felt like one of the ways in which we're unique is that we're sharing our story with an audience that is largely unaware, number one, that there's, you know, um, Italian-American history in Southern California, but also just kind of, you know, largely unfamiliar with the Italian-American experience or Italian-American experiences. And, you know, you touched upon the uh, our exhibition, our permanent exhibition on anti-Italianism. That, ironically, is our most popular exhibition. Mm. Uh, so our permanent exhibition is also accessible in its entirety online. And we're able to kind of observe how long people spend with it, uh, with the different exhibitions on average. And the one on anti-Italianism, I think it's about 43 minutes that people spend with it. Wow. Which is pretty That's a long time online, yeah. You know, they probably drop off our episodes <laughs> if they go longer than 43 minutes. That's a, that's a good amount of time. Yeah. People drop us off after 43 minutes. No, I'm just guessing. Oh, boy. <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying. It's yeah. a long time. Yeah. So what I find kind of uh, encouraging is... Uh, especially young people, they make a lot of connections between that exhibition and, and current events and other groups. And and you know, without uh, you know, without being guilty of being one of those California granola people, uh, it, I can't d- help <laughs> it. Every now and then, I've told you this before. There's certain you know, things spread into you people. You, you know, <laughs> you know to kind of say like, hey, well, you know, I'm not of Italian ancestry, but. You know, my mother experienced that or my grandparents experienced that. And we're also, I think, a, a museum about, like, you know, the American experience. Sure. Totally. And the ongoing American experience. What's so. the most, because I like to keep things negative, <laughs> what's the most ignorant comment that you've heard? Oh, most where do I start? That they would never say in anybody else's museum. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh my gosh, where do you start? Okay, oh, so. Where's the mafia? Yeah. yeah. Oh, bada yeah. bing, bada exactly. bang. Where's so, your... We literally, we had an article published shortly uh, before we opened, and um, one of the comments was, well, I wonder if they're going to have a Jersey Shore wing. Oh, my gosh. See, just for the people out there, I'm not politically correct that I can't laugh at stuff, but Uh they would never say it about anybody else but us. Oh, no. That's what gets my rockets to the moon. All the time. That's why we're going after Julia Child. <laughs> we're going to have that exhibit with her chicken all tied up. And I'm, I'm not going to name any names, and I'm totally speaking out of out of turn here. But we were working with uh, some city officials 
before we opened and um, they had to complete uh, you know some work um, we were doing you know in concert with them and they're they're one of the gentlemen said what happens if we don't finish on time are you going to break our legs Jeez, uh, uh-huh. and I mean just like just the most asinine stuff just I like Terrible. I could go on forever I could go but it's like anyway I don't I don't need to say it <laughs> no but you make a good point though it's like you know it's a twofold approach with issues like this right it's like first of all you do want the rest of the country to see that it has not been an easy route for Italian Americans, Mm-mm. right? Because if you don't stick your head up and say, like, hey, what about us? Nobody's going to do it for you. Absolutely. And then secondly, as I've always said from my entire career as a, a, an Italian American, you know, in this space and community leadership, it's not just about empowering and informing our own. It's about using this, what I think is a very fascinating social experience that our communities had as a as a lens on the greater American experience, Absolutely. you know, and, and we, we have for better or worse, s- some ways great, some ways not so great. We've made it all this way into the assimilation process. The, my, f- my friends in Italian Australia would, would say integration process is a better way to look at it. But either way, you know, we, we've come to a, a different point after three or four generations and 150 years of immigration. And what can we learn about ourselves, but also, reveal to the rest of the country about this very, very um, difficult at mm-hmm. times, mm-hmm. but central tenet of what America is, which is Absolutely. the immigration story. Yeah, the, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, the, the complex and often, like, very nuanced nature of race and ethnicity in America. Yeah. And I think, like, you know, there's this huge gap. This is just my theory. You guys could help me debate me, especially Mr. O'Boyle, <laughs> Cavaliere. Um, <laughs> I think there's kind Cavaliere. of Cavaliere. Cavaliere. It should be Cavaliere Radio. <laughs> C-A-V. Um, I think there's kind of this gap in Italian-American history where, you know, because of Italian-Americans came of age when they did, uh, because, you know, of when we started to assimilate and, and, and achieve more social acceptance, there was so much that wasn't spoken of. I mean, I think even in, an, in our individual family histories, maybe it wasn't true for you, but, um, you know, you know, I kind of had to ask a lot of these questions and then decipher a lot on my own. Yeah. Um, you know, my grandparents were already gone. I don't think they spoke about it. And there was a lot that, like, I think my dad didn't know or that he didn't speak about. And if that was true for me and for a lot of the other folks I've come across, I almost think that, like, there was this era, you know, all these events that were never really well documented. Um, And that's kind of, that's our challenge to often, like, uncover some of these sometimes darker uh, experiences that that were central to our identity as Italian Americans that we don't necessarily even know about. Yeah. Uh, does that make any sense? No, completely. <laughs> I, I think as I've gotten older and into this stuff on a professional and personal level more and more, it's dawned on me how I always thought we were a community that was good about our history. You know, like I, I knew where my family came from in Italy and, you know, I was with them all the time. So I felt like I knew so much. But in reality, the older I get and the more I've learned, the more I realize I didn't know much. Mm-hmm. And so much of the story... I've filled in for my family, you know, parents and uh, aunts and uncles and things through my own work and research and going out and asking the questions that have come up as I've sort of gotten a more sophisticated approach to this because, you know, I was with my grandparents at least every Sunday and and three or four days a week Mm -hmm. until I lost my grandfather at 16 and my grandmother at like 20. Mm. And I asked a lot of questions, Mm. but I never got the sort of big picture, like, you know, my grandfather was at a Unity Day in 1970. Wow. And my grandfather fought in the war in Italy, in his hometown. I, nobody ever mentioned the fact that there were other Italians being put into internment camps yeah. or being, you know, rest- like, it just didn't factor in. It's like the big history mm-hmm. we just sort of overlook, and a lot of little family history we overlook. So I, I think telling that complete story, the audience is there. People, both Italian and non, want to know this stuff. Italian-Americans... Clearly, there's a hunger because we see it in our listenership. We see it in our interactions. But it's our job to tell that. And it, and it brings us back to the point around what it means to have an institution like a museum, right? Mm-hmm. Because if you look out over the country, you've got cultural centers in a bunch of places. I think at Casa Belvedere in Staten Island and um, certainly clubs or organizations that maintain community presence. But an actual museum mm-hmm. right now, the Italian American Museum of Little Italy is opening, I guess, in about a year, mm-hmm. right? Reopening, mm-hmm. been there 
on and off for a while, under construction for a few years. Um, I guess there's an art museum in San Francisco. Yes. Right, but that's... They're more focused on art. Focused on art. New Orleans has a great Italian museum and cultural center uh, that Frank Maselli runs down there in the French Quarter. Who am I missing? Uh, Cleveland just opened Cleveland, one. Cleveland yeah, just opened. Just like last week. Um, and then, you know, in upstate New York. Right. Um, oh, he, um, Cavaliere Phil DeNovo. Yeah. Ca- the Cavaliere track today. That's in uh, Albany. Uh, Albany. Albany. And then he was, I think he, w- was he the first one? Might have been. And then Buffalo, just, didn't they just establish? I haven't been up there yet. Neither have I. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's what, like, if you know, if you count like the Sports Hall of Fame, Italian American yes, Sports Hall of Fame, I should know. I'm on the board of that. The Italian yeah. American Sports Hall of Fame in Chicago, of course, which has done a phenomenal job, obviously, focused on sports. There's the Garibaldi Meucci Museum, yes, 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 Staten Island. You're remiss to not, yeah, that. but yeah. that's you know, yeah. tiny old house and you know, not exactly in a terribly trafficked area, yeah. But y- you know, what can we do as a community to? improve the interaction because like i think about it right like ha- how do you even build the collection of artifacts how do you go about like how did you guys go about bringing in all of these artifacts in the museum and then how do you share them with other museums like you know wh- what's the process how do we build our material culture again okay well without getting too technical yes. um you know <laughs> in the museum world we have something called the scope of collections and it's kind of like well what are wow that's <laughs> <laughs> scope of collection, and it's that's <laughs> why we're the Italian American NPR. <laughs> that's why when they want to make us out the dopes, we're not because we got a lady here that has said words like scope, scope of collection, <laughs> collection or restrictive covenant. <laughs> yeah. Restrictive covenant. Yeah. So it's kind of like what your collection's priorities are, right? And um, and within that, you know, you also evaluate like, okay, well, just how many you know knitted doilies do we need? Right? <laughs> Don't ask Pat. <laughs> Pat would say unlimited it's, amount it's, of limited doilies. Our next exhibition but is that's about just like they, the old Italian ladies love those. Yeah, yeah they had to put under lamps, under like everything, candy yeah. dishes, so you didn't scratch the wood. Absolutely, and don't forget that. Well, anyway, um, <laughs> so <laughs> our next exhibition actually looks at women's needlework and how it was like a vehicle to express emotions and help support your family, and um, how to kind of bridged the old world with the new. But going back to your question, um, we got started collecting. Um, At one time, it was, you know, primarily like the older members of the community that were sharing objects with us. And that was always like kind of tricky because it's like, no, we don't want your grandma's lamp. Yeah, it's really hard. (laughs) You know? (laughs) But there are Italians out there who would gladly take it. (laughs) That's <laughs> true, yeah, somebody will take it. You have it. a Capo di Monte project. <laughs> I you know, know it. we do. You're kind of hip. You're a hip museum curator. That's so true. I don't know. <laughs> you have Dolores. They're all anti-Capo di Monte. <laughs> the whole you, crew. You could well, open that museum. No, I'm going to have it. I'll have it. No, that would be a real Italian thing to do. Uh-huh. I'll open up an enemy museum across the street. <laughs> the Italian-American real museum of Los Angeles. I'll have Capo di Monte. Even though I have nothing to do with Los Angeles, I'll have Capo di Monte because Every Italian institution, that's why every Italian, fu- you never see an Italian funeral parlor by itself. Yeah, There's you, always two. You need a rival. You need a rival. Your your numbers will go through the roof. Because <laughs> well, Italians love competition. In all seriousness. The Italian-American you know, Campo de Monte Museum of Los Angeles. <laughs> in all seriousness, you know, you asked me how I got started. It was because, you know, I think a lot of this was unraveling. Like, how do I fit yeah. in this city? You know, like, I would ask my dad, like, well, you know, did our family come through Ellis Island? And he's like, no, you know, on my mom's side, we came through New Orleans. I was like, New Orleans? Like, this was back when I was, like, a teenager, you know? Like, wait a minute, there's Italians in New Orleans? Like, what? You know, because the Italian history in Los Angeles was never well documented. It was, like, lots of other histories I learned in school. And, of course, you learn a lot about New York and Italian-American communities, if you want. Like, there's lots of texts written about them. But the Southern California history was not really there. I was like, well, what am I doing here? Who who am I? Who who are we? And so that was a big part of it. But uh, interestingly enough, you know, the, the building that the museum is located in, we only have, like, maybe a few dozen images of, like, kind of its prime period there was so much of our history that was lost that was never preserved so it kind of became like my vocation to like you know document every like you know pedal cart pusher you yeah. know, like every fruit salesman every little grocery store 
So to go back to your question, um, it's kind of one of those, like, you know, it when you see it things like somebody offers you like, all right, well, I, I have these dreams because we, we had an Italian newspaper in Los Angeles. We have an Italian newspaper in Los Angeles, Little Americano, which was founded in 1907. And during World War II, you know, most of its collection was um, destroyed. Wow. Uh, a lot of people in our community were fearful because, you know, the FBI was visiting Italian-American homes. And uh, so I, I have these dreams every once in a while that, like, somebody's going to show up with, like, a shoebox of – because if you can imagine, I mean, this documented the community story. You know, I think right? I do have a box in my collection somewhere. Of, of Little Americano? Yeah, I think I okay. do. You just reminded me. Okay. Because I'm, like, out of my mind. I'm, like, uh, <laughs> like if I see something, <laughs> okay. I'll buy – if it's uh-huh. Italian-American, I buy it. I'm, like – I'm going to find somebody who understands where this fits in our puzzle. Uh-huh. And like maybe 10 years ago when I was at NIAF, I bought three huge boxes of old Italian newspapers. Mm. I don't remember if they were Little Americano. Maybe they were San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. And maybe there was definitely one I think was from, d- but like just huge boxes. of like, And they're like all crumbling. So I'll, yeah. when I move <laughs> into my new house, I You'll will keep it in my You'll memory that I go look at that box. Yeah. You should tell your wife you could use the spare room in the house for another Italian-American. <laughs> That's just all I so need. Happy. My wife will murder me. No, because John has a collection unparalleled. Yeah. I think it's a good one. But then yeah. again, it's, it's like, how do I know what I have? You know, some stuff I just buy if I see Oh, we'll put that in the competitive museum across the street. <laughs> just <laughs> unload all my stuff. And all the stuff that John's <laughs> wife wants to put on eBay. <laughs> and we'll put them together and we'll yeah. have a competitive. And then her numbers will go through the roof. <laughs> but you, but it's a good point, though. Like, you're having dreams that somebody shows up with newspapers mm-hmm. to fill in the blank, right? Yeah. And it bothers me because I know there's stuff out there that people have. Like, you know, for the past six, seven years, I've been doing the New Orleans St. Joseph's Day. Mm-hmm. And one of the guys who's been really uh, active there is a guy named Joe Zolfo, who's a mm-hmm. producer of television. He did um, NCIS New Orleans. And then uh, I forget the second show, God God Touched Me or God Spoke to Me or something. Mm-hmm. So he did a really successful show. Anyway, Joe's a Brooklynite like me. But he moved out to New Orleans for the show, fell in love with the Sicilian community there, got really active, supported the event. And he said he was filming NCIS New Orleans one day and telling this lady whose house they were renting about his Italian background. And, blah, blah, blah. and she said, oh, you know, I think the prior owners here were Italian. They left some stuff in the basement. They pulled out, like, a roll of original posters yeah. from the first marches. And nobody yeah. who's been in the marches had seen one since 1970, whatever it was, four or five. And here this lady was like, oh, you can keep them. You know? <laughs> and I thought to myself, like, first of all, Joe's super lucky because I would kill to have that poster. Secondly... We don't know what's out there, mm-hmm. so I am buying stuff up. Mm-hmm. But then you say, we don't have an Italian-American Smithsonian to go no. to and say, hey, like, where does this fit in, right? And Yet. Yet, yeah. exactly. And hopefully this alliance, as we grow with these conferences and, like, yourself and other museums, we do need a central database absolutely. to sort of fill in the blanks and contribute absolutely, to. Absolutely, absolutely. And, uh, you know, and it's, I guess, you know, to be determined who, who that will be. I mean, one of, one of our realities is, like, you know, if you accept items – you know, that's kind of like the museum ethic that, like, you have to be in a place to preserve them, yeah. right? You have to, like, you're taking on the responsibility of, like, you know, these historical treasures. And so that's something that I think of uh, frequently as well. But without, you know, tooting our own horn, um, one of the projects I'm really proud of is that we recently brought, um, almost, I would say, like, 95% of our collection online. Yeah. So, you know, it's one thing to, like, keep things, but it's also, like, how do people access them? Yes. Right? Like, we have this meaningful history uh, you know, Pat might be looking, well, you know, for his long-lost relative who, you know, s- who settled in Southern California, and, you know. You know, I actually met one <laughs> through 23 and me. <laughs> no, really, it was a fantastic, uh, yes. You um, know, but it's like, how, you know, how does Pat know that we don't have something that pertains to his family? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, then one of our next projects will be digitizing some of the old newspapers that we do have in our collection to, you know, That's using. Actual, you, that is actually brilliant. Which part? That is, <laughs> no, I, no, I mean, it's all brilliant, but even if you don't live in Los Angeles or your family didn't directly go to Los Angeles, there's something we can all get out of yeah. mm-hmm. at Los Angeles Italian American Museum. Yeah. And the Italian American Capo de Monte Museum that's going to be. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, and to give you an idea, like, you know, we have an Italian newspaper from Rhode Island. You know, there's a lot of stuff that, like, you know, I'll value and say, well, this might be a little bit out of the scope of our collection, but. Somebody needs to preserve it, and that yeah. person's us. But, you know, you also asked earlier about kind of like, well, how do we make these decisions? I feel, and this is why I also think the Italian-American podcast is so important, because you make, you know, these topics accessible. 
Yeah. Right? Like, we're speaking in a language that people can understand. And that's our same approach at the museum. It's like, you know, before COVID, we had about 300,000 school kids visit annually. Wow. And um, we want them to walk away with something, right? With, like, the average visitor might read at the high school level, right? Yeah. So it's like we're trying to make this in a way that, like, what's the purpose of having a museum if, like, you're kind of, like, high in the sky, ivory tower? Yeah. We want to be the community's museum. And you're clearly doing that. And, you know, to Pat's point, like, well, first of all, it's not cheap. And e- nor is it easy to digitize this stuff. No. So Gauri on getting ninety five percent of the collection Thank up you. there because I've looked at digitizing and preserving my collection, and it's in the six figures, uh, mid yeah. six figures to do you know a substantial amount of stuff. And you know that's a huge roadblock for institutions, particularly in a community like ours where fundraising is not the no. easiest thing <laughs> in the world, yeah. right? So if you want to help digitize, there's a I'm sure there'll be a link on our site. Stephanie will put on. Um, but then the question becomes, like you said, like you know, y- if you get a box. Because it is about turning it over to the authority, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, if you get a box of Rhode Island newspapers, and, yeah, they don't necessarily pertain, or they might not necessarily pertain to the Italian-American experience in L.A., but in terms of the wider mosaic of Italian-America, mm-hmm. they are important to someone and to some story. And so where is the central central repository, repository thank you, for, for this kind of stuff? Because, like I say, there, there is no Italian-American Smithsonian at this point. We have at least the beginnings of some wonderful regional institutions. But you think there's a point in the future where we sort of have a national institution that helps to do this stuff? Yeah, I mean, you know, we're uh, sometimes, like, in my very optimistic moments, I'm like, well, you know, should there be an Italian-American National Museum? Yeah. You know, um, maybe that's our challenge. We could never all row together. Well, I get it, but you know (laughs) what? I mean, you have you know. to, I mean, yeah. But can you imagine? Can you imagine picking that board? <laughs> <laughs> or who's going to be that curator? Yeah. Or where it's going to be located? Absolutely. It would Absol- have to be yeah. moving. You'd have to have like, yeah. you know, the European yes. City of Culture would be the Italian American Museum of the Year. That's true, actually. That's not a bad idea. Yeah. Well, I guess part of it is like, you know, who's best suited to do it, right? Yeah. But I think maybe you know our call, you know, the call upon our community benefactors is like, hey, you know, if we don't do this now, we ha- we have like a very finite period. I feel like. So many of our folks have already passed on or they're passing on. Like, we need to record these memories. We need to be preserving this information because if we don't, it's it's gone yeah. forever. And it's like it's like the task has been what we faced over the years is like reconstructing history. Yeah, it's so hard. You know, close to two and a half years ago, a woman walked into our museum with, uh, a w- it was her great-grandmother's wedding invitation. She had been married in the building in 1921. Wow. No, no, 1919. And it was just like, you know, those are the moments, yeah. you know. Um, it was just, just like so fascinating because again, like a lot of this was thrown away. It was like, oh yeah, that's all a bunch of junk. Like just toss it. Kills you. Yeah. I know someone Absolutely. who recently, um, they were COVID cleaning the house, Italian Americans. They found a box of photographs, I guess from 1900, 1920. They didn't realize who they were. So they threw them all out. Oh yeah. That they breaks my heart. I'm never going to yeah. figure out who they are and toss them. Fall favorites are back on Mediaset Italia. All the shows you love to cozy up on the couch with. Italian family favorites whipped up in the kitchen with cotto e mangiato. All eyes are back on the Grande Fratello Veep House with a brand new season and a fresh crop of contestants. A double dose of Maria De Filippi with the return of new episodes of Amici and Uomini e Donne. And the game show that puts you in the hot seat, Caduta Libera, and host Jerry Scotti will test your wits. Mediaset Italia has all the best entertainment from Italy year-round. Call your local television provider and ask for the channel today. But that's what this is all about. Like That's why when I go out, you know, sometimes I do find stuff even in, in garbages or at flea markets or, you know, wherever it is. But I'm constantly scouring the Internet because I say to myself, like, you know, I've put a lot of the money that I've made in my life into this stuff. And mm-hmm. my wife... She's Italian-American. She's very proud. But her family's like the opposite. of My family's like hoarders. <laughs> like you go to my grandfather's house upstate, and it's like American pickers would be drooling <laughs> to go to his his property. My wife's family, I went to visit them for the first time, and I'm like, did you guys just move in? There's nothing here. Like, there's nothing. They, no, they didn't have so a coffee so table. Funny. That's so funny. Yeah, no. I, my, my dad was like, he was an artist. He was a professor, but he was a cl- like an insane collector. And like the house I grew up in was like a museum. It was like, and so my friends would come over and be like, what? 
is going on here? I'm like, wait a minute, you don't have carousel horses suspended <laughs> from your ceiling? That's my house. You know? That's my grandfather. My grandfather my grandfather had a piece of the Andrea Doria and it's been like it was just, it was just Is that a Sicilian thing? Is that uh, your bond? I don't know, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Could be. Well, that was I think my dad got his artistic stuff from his mother who was Sicilian. So yeah, my grand my Sicilian grandfather. Oh, is Sicilians the artist. are yeah. He's the, yeah. But Sicilians are markedly visual artists. Yes. Very visual <laughs> And people. it's not it's not a, it's not Neapolitans are visual artists, but they, they have a very strong uh, music and, and literary tradition. Mm, yeah. Sicilians are an entrenched, even their bread. Sure, exactly. Is is aesthetically pleasing. Are we talking sure. about the St. Joseph bread? Or we, or just bread sure, I mean, like, you mean Sicilians <laughs> make bread that they don't eat. Mm-hmm. They make <laughs> bread for show, right? Yeah, sure. You go to the museum in Los Angeles, I'm like, wow, look at all this bread. It's for show. It's like shellac. <laughs> it's absolutely stunning bread that they have people so make for you to come and to look at. That was a funny story. You know, that A Neapolitan would have had a piece of mozzarella <laughs> and a piece of prosciutto there. <laughs> It'd be there, like for an hour. But they I would th- not have a, an aesthetic well, for bread wouldn't have lasted long. That was kind of a funny story, like totally off topic. You know, we opened that exhibition eight days before COVID shut down the country. Mm. This was an exhibition on St. Joseph's tables and kind of their origin. And I think it's like now we have the world record for like the longest running St. Joseph's <laughs> table <laughs> because it's literally like, you know, I had to address a weevil issue. <laughs> 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 you know? It's a good thing you shellacked all the Sicilian John bread. and I were there like a year and a half later. <laughs> think, just put it on 15 minutes ago. It's true. It's be- I mean, if you, uh, when are you going to leave that until? When can people see that? Until? Well, okay. So we've literally had to replan these exhibitions now five times. So yeah. our um, we were supposed to open an exhibition on Pinocchio in June of 2020. Wow! And um, you know this exhibition was like totally hands on, like bring your kids with their sticky fingers and let them breathe and touch everything. You know yeah, what I mean? There you go. And so we're just not seeing that group of visitors return mm. yet, right? Like the school groups aren't coming back, our tourists aren't coming back. So um, we shelved that till the end of 2022. And our next one is called Woven Lives. And it looks, as I mentioned, at um, the role of needlework in like the Italian diaspora and, and specifically Ita- Italian-American women. And it's a pretty cool, uh, like, we do everything from, like, um, you know, needlework that was created by nuns, like the, uh, the <laughs> where did we go yesterday, Pat? The convent. Yeah, so. But the from the mission, shrine, Yeah, yes. from the, the missionary sisters of the Sacred Heart, right? Yes, yeah, Mother so Cabrini. Mother Cabrini. You saw her yeah. body live yeah. in a living color. <laughs> oh, so you really are getting the paddle boiled tour. I've been, <laughs> uh, I've been underground with the baby. So, this so, is good. so, so, we <laughs> so we've got some of the em- embroideries created by the sisters. It's a shame we don't have more dead saints in glass caskets. <laughs> I, I love that. For I mean, me, it's like, you could you have know. an exhibit on dead Italian saints. There we go. You and could. The caskets <laughs> with the real outfits. But think about the fact that you know that, like you're talking about here. Where's the central? Is this something I should be proud of? Yeah, where is the central repository for this, right? Like, if you think this conversation is, is wacky, please send me a message. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think this is a totally normal conversation, yeah. and I hang out with people who think this is totally normal. Well, this really but is three friends out chatting, there, really. And, and you're driving, and your eyes are like, should I shut this off now? And you have some American person in your car that's like, this is really weird. And, and if you're rolling your eyes right now, I'd love to hear from you. Seriously, I talk to everybody. He does I, talk to everybody. I would love to hear. So, all right, we've been we've been having a blast here for an hour, <laughs> but we do. I do have to get home to the baby. Okay. Uh, so tell everybody. They're out gonna there. blame me because I had a three hour conversation before we were supposed to tape. So I'm gonna watch. <laughs> no. They're gonna I, blame me. I because our real good it. conversations, the ones you can't hear. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of stuff. If you hang out with us one time, I mean, there's we, a we had we brought you on here, and of course, didn't even talk about. And we will have to do it on another episode. We didn't even talk about your family's roots in Colorado, which mm. we, at some point, hopefully, we got to go Colorado. We got to Colorado. We got to come out and cheese. do that. She sent me delicious cheese. Oh, and I <laughs> so what did you do with it? I ate it. But, but how did you like? Did you? I just ate it. Slice. I mean, <laughs> okay. I, no, I'm gonna because be honest you can grill it, you can grate it. You could. You can, and I yeah. had a moment of I said I have to make a well-informed decision <laughs> of how we're going to eat the cheese. Uh-huh. You could grate the cheese. You could grate right? it. Now it was a little young to grate. It had been no bogus stagionata to mm-hmm. to grate it. Mm-hmm. You can also freeze it. You could freeze it, but mm-hmm. I said to myself, I'm going to eat it fresh. Yeah. Which is arguably a good. I mean, a good yeah, way to go eat wrong, it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it always goes back to food. It really does go back <laughs> Absolutely. To and like we don't plan this. It no. just goes so, back. So do you think it was too salty? No, I didn't okay, think so. Okay. But goat, goat cheese <laughs> is salty by its very yeah. nature. 
Yeah, this you is know, a particular goat cheese made in, in Southern Colorado. You should start making goat cheese in Southern Colorado. Um, you know, I'm. Uh, they make the ricotta too, which um, I think I think if I made any, of I have friends in Italy who are goat cheese makers. Uh-huh. Make you two off. strike me as the kind of people. <laughs> see, I, I like ideas, but you two will like try every. Like he <laughs> roasted his own coffee, almost burned down your house, right? <laughs> God have mercy. And like you built a shrine. Now you th- and now I can see in the back of your head like you're gonna go home and go, yeah, I should make my own goat cheese because like why not? Everyone why, right? I've made ricotta before, but not out of goat milk. Your own coffee. Because you learn so much. <laughs> There's a first crackling, a second crackling. Like I want, I, I want to. This is why I do things. If I make it, I learn about it and I understand. Yeah, it. you're right. Absolutely. So I, I understand now why people stopped roasting at home <laughs> when the when the fire alarm was invented. That, that was <laughs> I mean, if you did it outside, like Eric Lavin, our friend, his grandmother, his Galabrez grandmother used to go on the roof, wow. and she had a perforated coffee can with a wood fire underneath it. Mm. And she would turn it. So I understand why, because it, it matter of fact, there's high carcinogenic yeah. rates in lung cancer with coffee roasters. Mm-hmm. Really? Yes. Makes sense. Makes sense. Well, there and was that whole thing a couple of years ago, like, you know, the link between caffeine and cancer. And then there was like, well, yeah, but there's also links that show that it, you know, has anti-cancerous properties, right? We can never so tell what's good yeah. for you, Matthew. The, 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 you know the beauty? We're all going to be in Dugamba. Yeah, we're all <laughs> exactly. going to the same place. So exactly. Let's, so yeah. let's Trump, have some wine. <laughs> the glutton, the guy, the guy with gout, and the guy who was a marathon runner. Right? There's someone out there. I can't believe you're saying If you didn't turn us off when we were talking about dead saints and, <laughs> and tombs, your Medigan friends are going to say, like, this is so like, irresponsible. <laughs> it's true. We all go to the same sure, place. Sure, wow. We're all going That'd to the same my, place. If I was a marathon runner, I'd be clipped with a car on the street. That would <laughs> be your up, luck. Right? <laughs> don't eat today, so don't eat huh. that. Run the five miles a day. And yeah, then you get hit. So eat the cuchirati and have some wine. That's right. <laughs> eat it. <laughs> drink yeah, here enjoy. we go. If you, you know, Roast your own coffee. Just be responsible. Do it far away from you know, your house. Yeah, be responsible. You have one glass of wine. You have a cookie. It ain't going to be the end of the world. No. The <laughs> next day you have another glass of wine, another cookie. It's still not going to be the end of the world. That's what we found traveling around this country, eating our way through Italian America on these uh Oh, see, John, shows. now they try, to put, they try to fat shame me in this. John, we, we went to California filming. We were at six restaurants a day. <laughs> because you got to get it all in at once. Yeah. You're only there once. So it's I, like, I worked us. Oh, I, I marched I could, us. And I was like, because you'd be so full. And you'd be like, I want to really eat that. And I can't. <laughs> this is my sixth piece of pizza. Yeah, we we ate our way through California. I, you know, and I'm, t- and I, I'm stingy with compliments in this sense. Mm-hmm. I really love San Pedro. Mm. I yeah. was really. They were just the nicest people. Yeah, they were just nice. It was friendly. Yeah. It was all that niceness that you don't find in the New York metropolitan area. <laughs> You're like, I mean, we're nice, but it takes a while, right? <laughs> yeah, what do you want from me? Yeah, what do you want from me? Shut up. Why are you bothering me? I don't care. You're from, you know. And um, it, it, I would have loved, but we you just you, we couldn't do it because work. We had to get it all done at once. Yeah. But in a leisurely way, it had been really enjoyable. Yeah. And I really mean this sincerely. The food was as good as the people. They were just nice people. Everything was great. Well, you I guys got to come back. We're going to figure out another chapter to that episode. Or you Oh, know. we got plenty to I see I mean, there's so m- Yeah, there's so much. I mean, Bring I stretchy pants. You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's that, Iron Man? I have them. The gym pants, yes. <laughs> I wear them to the gym. What's it, Iron Iron Man? What's the name of that? I don't know. Iron. What's this everybody wears? Under Armour. Under Armour. <laughs> Iron Man. <laughs> next time, next time, you guys got to come out and visit the Garabaldina Society, which is a mutual benefit society that Ooh, was founded in 1877 wow. in Los weird. Angeles. I know, I know. Usually, and they didn't. Wait a minute. They didn't let. Wait, they didn't let Sicilians in for the longest wow. time. See? See but John now, races. like, but See? they still yeah. exist. They still exist. It was like a social they, club they, now. Even though I'm not but Sicilian, I mean, it's like you know, you think of Los Angeles as being like you know, flighty people, and our history began with Hollywood, and and you know, there's you know, there's Italians in Los Angeles for the longest time. People like there's an Italian American music. There's Italians in Los Angeles, but it's like, yeah, we've been there for quite you some time. You gotta see John's face, you right know. Now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See in John? fact, in fact, the, one of the first places that they met, um, the Garibaldino Society, was in the in the Italian Hall. That's amazing. Way back when, so. And they still meet. They're still they going still meet. Show. I mean, they they're an you know, older Sicilian group. They do, no, they let in Sicilians. You know, uh, you're just saying that now. No, you don't no, no. I, I, I <laughs> John's going to show up at a trica- what is that? Trinacria. Trinacria. <laughs> Big Trinacria. Yeah. And a carota. Was a carota? <laughs> we, we, we did an exhibition on Caretti Siciliani oh, way my back. My favorite. My yeah. weakness. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's another thing. My wife would divorce me if I had my way. I'd paint all the furniture to look like. Oh well, you just you got to get like the the Dolce Gabbana smeg. Uh, oh yeah, I yeah. tried. <laughs> I tried when we moved. John, a baby carriage. No, she'd kill me. She'd, I tried to buy the the schmeg, uh, They did the the refrigerator. The, oh, yeah. my, my wife was like, "You really gonna put a stove? I a toaster." Toaster, I could get away. But then see, toaster to blend. Toaster would bother me because really? I'd see this beautiful Sicilian garuzza toaster. I'd be yeah. like. Why is my whole kitchen not look like this? It would it would signify defeat. I think for you me. should do it. You know when your wife goes when she's not home one weekend, just doing just renovate home, the she'll kitchen. Be so happy when she comes home. <laughs> yeah, well, and she says she's a little bit of Sicily right here in New York. <laughs> I love to start trouble. I think this would be a great. Yeah, you would. I would encourage this, much, and I just want to be there when she this walks. Is my in. best man, by the that's way. Right. Thank that's you. That's why I'm the best <laughs> man. I want you to live the dream. Live the dream. They have the espresso machines too, which that like, I you might know. do. That's a it's nice. It's just idea. like a nice little statement. Piece, yeah, that's right? a nice. Idea. I could probably pull that off. See, they're bonding because they're Sicilian. They look at each other. They have that look. Eyes, well, what about yeah. so? But I'll come over I, and help I, paint. I got to go. To <laughs> yeah, my father was a paint. Come on, I got the paintbrushes. I, I got to go to the San San Mango Society uh, dinner. Yeah, you did. Yeah, it was fun. But we're, we're, <laughs> see, so Campania people were just like the, we're like a rolling. But there was like who who is who is who is this woman? She's not. <laughs> they let you in eventually, though. But I New became an honorary son to Mangues. They 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 gave me the honor uh, two years ago. But New Jersey, I think that's a New Jersey thing too. Who are you? But it's Campania like that. No, we're not. I mean, we bring you. We're nosy, but we'll bring you to feed you. <laughs> well, we're glad that you're out here, and Thank I'm glad that you're spending so much time with Cavaliere Boyle on this trip. And I'm sorry. I mean, I'm thrilled to be home with the baby, I Absolutely. must say. But, uh, Absolutely. The greatest gift God could give you. Yeah, it really is. Uh, thank God. Yeah, um, Changes your life. Total joy, and uh, I'm going to go home. One day we're all going to be in the Camposan, and she's going to be listening. Wow, my dad had really whacked out. <laughs> I've been you want to hear your grandfather's her. friends? They're crazy. <laughs> Did you know them? Nah. Mom, <laughs> my mother never let them in the house. <laughs> yeah, Maybe I mean, the back door. Oh, they came in the house one time, and they had my, fa- my father painted the whole house. I should just be playing these in her room, all the archive of episodes, just as she's sleeping. You should have tapes in Sicilian. I should do that. I'm, I'm making her listen to Sicilian music and stuff already. Yeah, I, I, I'm, she's on that. So before we go, as much as I love spending the time together, uh, do tell the audience where they could find you online. Where can they see the archive? Where can they see the collection? And uh, how can they get to know more about the museum and you? So uh, the best way to find us is our website, which is imla.org. That's I-A-M-L-A.org. Our permanent exhibition, our collection, our um, some of our past temporary exhibitions that kind of exist virtually now are all there. Um, you can read about our upcoming events and, of course, become a member if you so desire. Um, we're also on social, um, Facebook, IAM of LA. Uh, same on Twitter and Instagram is Italian American Museum LA. We also have a YouTube, <laughs> YouTube channel, IAM of LA. It's, a, it's really worth taking the time. If you can't be in L.A., definitely take the time to track what's going on and uh, follow on social media, to explore the collection. And if you are in or around L.A., make a point to go see Mariana Thank at you. this museum. It's wonderful, and the exhibits are really, really, I mean, just beautifully done, very thoughtful, and uh, you get to meet one of our great friends out there who I'm sure if you're nice enough will take you <laughs> to the next Italian-American site <laughs> in the city like she does to us. So <laughs> you never know if you'll get the extended <laughs> tour if you're really nice and say you, you heard her on the podcast. So... This has been a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to the next time we do this together. Thank you. It's been a pleasure being here. Oh, it's been a pleasure having you. I'm I'm, I'm glad you're out here. And, Pat, before we go, I know you have a special Pat O'Boyle news bulletin you want to share. No, this is serious. Yeah, I know. This is, like, (laughs) serious. (laughs) I was going to do a special report. Yeah, go ahead. We have – what happened was organically, right, because it's all about being organic today. We have many listeners or people in our circle who wanted to know how to make homemade wine because they wanted to – do it, or they have memories of relatives, parents, grandparents doing it. And we have many people who are expert wine producers within our circle. Mike DiSapio, Jack Petroni, people know what they're doing. And um, we wanted to create a Facebook group where people with experience could share with newcomers. Because winemaking now is much easier than it was 10 or 20 years ago. If you want to have a family team-building event, right, it's a great way to get all the family together. It's much cheaper. I figure it's about $2 a bottle compared to what you get into the store. Yeah. And people, you know, like to rip on homemade wine because they're thinking of what was made 70 years ago, which was difficult because in the old days, it was you had to wait. You had um, Barbera and Moscat and Alicante were the only three grapes that could survive coming from California. That's why it's so appropriate you're here today to the East Coast. And they didn't have the equipment to make 
exceptional wines. Wines were, were kind of rough all around the world. But now, with the technology, you can make really, really good homemade wine. You can make excellent homemade wine. And it becomes a family team-building event, and it's something to connect your kids to their past. And who doesn't like a nice bottle of wine? And you can give it away as a Christmas gift or a birthday gift or a giveaway or fill it in your basement and the like. So we created a group on Facebook called the Federation of Italian-American Producers of Homemade Wine. We're opening to add the word Canadian. We have some Canadian <laughs> listeners, but we got to get enough of you. If you get one or two <laughs> Canadians, you're not going to get your name on it's it. It's still North America. <laughs> and North America. we got a few Canadians, but... Yeah, that's exactly what we're doing. So we want you to come into this, this Facebook group so that you can share your experiences or you could post your questions. And I have found, I have gotten so many people who've reached out to us that they're excited about, you know, I haven't made wine in 20 years because Pop died or whatever. Mm-hmm. And now I see all these other people. I want to do it. Yeah. But I don't know how to get the, the right Demijohns or Carboys. And that's why the group is there to ask questions. So we, we built a community of people who were winemakers and said, do you, does this sound familiar to you? Do you know people who made this? And then me being me, I just kept adding people. I said they were going to be interested in this conversation. And that is like 339 people. Oh, my God. So that was overnight. But yeah. that shows. So I was like, why are you saying this? That shows the power of this medium. Yeah. Yes. For what we want to do. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're going to start making wine again because you're part of that group, that is the first step in the Italian-American revolution. Yeah. So what's the group again? You ready? Federation. I love coming up with these names. I know John you John knows this. <laughs> <laughs> I see, he, he likes to paint pictures, and I'm like, oh, let me come up with a new name. Well, I'm going to come up with a logo for it. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's my job. The Federation of Italian-American Producers of Homemade Wine. Okay. So if you're interested in learning how to make homemade wine. Go on Facebook. Or you just want to see pictures, or you want to ask questions, go on Facebook and friend, requ- friend request. Mm, I don't what know about that. Add as a friend. Add as a friend. The Federation or of Italian-American Producers follow. of Homemade is, is Wine. Follow. Is it a group or is it like a, per- a did you make okay. It's a group. So then you follow it, right? <laughs> yeah, or you follow join it. the group. Join the group. Join, join the, group. the group. Yeah. We're Italian. We've got to approve you because we don't like you. You're not going to So it's a private in. group, so you request membership. Is that how it happens? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you request. Mm-hmm. So you find us. We let you in. If you're from Canada, let us know. If we get enough of you, there's three Canadians. I'm sorry. <laughs> and I think I'm not going to rename a whole group. Even Australians, if you come. We'll f- I didn't put any Italians from Italy. They're banned. <laughs> because they will be the most negative. They'll tell you that it's terrible, it's horrible, it's vinegar. You don't pick the grape that way. They will be the most negative. Yes. They, if you're an Italian from Italy, you're not welcome. <laughs> Stay home because all they do is criticize. It's a nation of critical people. This is for happy people in the Anglophonic world who don't live to criticize. I should have Roe here for this. Other people's food and drink. And um, I was just very happy to see people because nothing makes me happy than when someone says, I'm going to try doing this again. I think it's great. I have my grandfather's press, and I'm going to give it a shot. I love it. Because I have people going, yeah, I'm going to make wine now. That makes me Get him going. Get him going. I want to do an episode on that. I want to do an episode on the winemaking group. I know how to make vinegar, too, if yours doesn't work Mm. out well. You make it. it he makes everything. If there's something you need to make, Pat has the know-how. If the world ever collapses, I'll be on a mountain. So I can even make a sphere. <laughs> I need a carpenter to make the pen to roll it out. Oh, this is a true. sickness. People want to learn how that's to true. make you rocket ships. <laughs> I want no. to learn how to make a sphere. You want to make the mother of vinegar and the sphere of elf. Yes. That's My what we vinegar need. mother. That's what makes us happy. <laughs> Sourdough, pizza stone. Absolutely. All right, go out and join the group. We're happy to have uh, as many people Thank as we you. can. And yeah. hopefully Thank we'll you. all make wine together. John, may I say this? Yeah. Uh, the welcome mat, our welcome mat is always here for you. Thank you. Oh yeah. That's so so we enjoy too. your company so Thank much. You. you were so hospitable <laughs> to us in Los Angeles. That was that was nothing. It's just a small uh, consolation. Thank you. That we could be able to host you here. Thank you so much. And, and you could always call in on Zoom when you're <laughs> out there. Zoom. You can, you can opine on any topic. Or if you think there's something fun, we'll send you. How the would list. you right. say on Gopo Zoom? On Gopo Zoom. On Gopo Zoom. Zoom. On Gopo Zoom. On Gopo Zoom. On Zoom. Because it makes me think of the song. This is the first time we have taped. Together. person well, so long since all the, the, vi- the virus hit wow. yeah. doing all the zoom stuff yeah, yeah. so much nicer this historic way. moment on many levels can, it I is, tell people, it? can i tell people a secret john had a window with the most stunning view of manhattan anyone had ever seen yeah <laughs> and you go in his office and you go this is the most beautiful view of manhattan and he loved this podcast so much that he bought soundproofing like cardboard <laughs> no panels thick panels, panels. Yeah. And covered his view of Manhattan That's so we true. could tape in a studio with no light, no view of Manhattan. Yes. But it was soundproof. Cause, and he did it all for the love of you and the love of the podcast. 
And then the virus hit. And then the virus hit. And now the paneling is falling off. I went in the office the other day. The paneling's falling off. Yeah, because it's been sitting there. No air conditioning, no nothing. Picard. But that office, you want to talk about a museum. That office is where I send all my stuff because my wife would kill me if I sent my eBay purchases. So it looks like the end of Indiana Jones with just like (laughs) stacks of boxes and envelopes. And I I should give you a holiday next time you come out. You can go look through those boxes first because it is a treasure trove of Italian Americana just waiting. And I haven't been able to go back really. So that's on my list uh, a couple of weeks from now. I'll go back and dig through. My boxes, and maybe I'll send some stuff out to the museum. Thank you. Yeah, and it goes without saying, you know, whenever you're ready to come back west, whether it's California, Colorado, there's like Colorado's so next. I mean, I've, yeah. no, I've done California multiple yeah. times in my life. Yeah, but, but I mean, there's like you know Colorado. so many fascinating chapters, and I mean, you just realize like it there is just you know so much there that you don't you don't really think of as like Italian America, but it's it's Italian America, yeah. and it's waiting to be kind of again like exposed, exposed, discovered. yeah. So celebrated, celebrated, and that's yeah. what we're all doing. That's what each of us has dedicated our lives to: is, is is uncovering, celebrating, and sharing this amazing mosaic of experiences that is Italian America. So, I really look forward to when we can do this again. This is always great. We will be out in Colorado because we want to film out there, and uh, don't need an excuse to twist our arm to come back and see you in LA. Thank you, so thank you, and I, I hope to have more reasons to come back here too. So come whenever you want. Yeah, We're you. always open, and I know Pat's taking you to a late lunch. Uh, <laughs> are you taking in Martinos? No, we hit Martinos. Oh, you hit so Martinos. Every time uh, he's gonna uh, uh, meet up with us. Oh, good. He wants to go to Blue Eyes. Wherever you're going, enjoy the rest of your time with Pat. He thank is you. a great tour guide, thank and uh, we I'm hope. I hope you've be enjoyed person. being here. Absolutely. I can't I can't tell you like uh, my my smile muscles are <laughs> you know. <laughs> and that's what this podcast is all about. Yeah. Smiling and enjoying your Italianness. So, I hope you out there have enjoyed this wonderful visit with a great friend and from all of us the Italian American podcast. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. Da 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 da